First Person is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, who rejoice in the stories of changed lives through the power of Jesus Christ. Learn more at febc.org. It's an in-the-moment, at-the-nativity scene, asking, did you know that this is going to happen to this child, that this is going to happen? That song gives the singer an opportunity to say all these great things about who Jesus is, what He did. Stay tuned now for part two of a conversation with musician Buddy Green as he talks about writing the music to the song, Mary, Did You Know? I'm Wayne Shepherd, and this is First Person. Welcome to this week's conversation. Last week at this time, we replayed an interview with Buddy Green that took place over 10 years ago. Buddy traced his spiritual journey and call of God on his life to sing and play music. If you missed it, please look for it in the archive at firstpersoninterview.com or use our free smartphone app to listen. This week, we feature a recent conversation with Buddy that took place in his Nashville home. We talked about the intervening years, and we talked about a song often heard by many artists at Christmas, one that Buddy co-wrote with Mark Lowry. At the end of today's program, listen for an online bonus feature with Buddy as he picks up one of his many harmonicas and plays a hymn for us. My thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company for making these first-person interviews possible as we celebrate God at work in people's lives. Let's begin the interview now with Buddy Green. When you said it had been that long since the last time we did one of these, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a sure sign that you're getting older when it flies by this quickly. <laughs> I'm glad to hear you say that, because that, that's the feeling I had as well. It doesn't seem like it's been 10 years since we sat here no, it doesn't. and did that interview. And if anyone listening now did not hear last week's program, it's in the archive. And I urge you to go listen to it, because you gave us your testimony was very clear and very compelling. And you also told us how you got involved in music and people like Bill Gaither came along and encouraged you early on. Yeah. So that's all in that program yeah, you from know, last week. I went back and listened to it because you reminded me of it and actually sent me a little clip of it. And uh, it was a good interview. It reminded me um, of, of what of, of how good a conversation can come from a couple of friends just mm-hmm. talking. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Wayne, you're a, you're a good friend, and and you know to tell a story. It's like that old hymn. I love to tell the story, yes. and, and I think you, it, I mean, you know. Just yesterday, I was sitting at co- having coffee with somebody who's going through a tough time and not sure really about their faith. And as we started talking, uh, I was you know it became relevant for me to tell that story to him mm. or, or a good bit of it, you know. Yeah, and. Uh, it was it was interesting because he just like at one point he just went, wow, what a great story. <laughs> I said, well, it's God's story. It's my story. I yeah, said, yeah. listen, I, it, you know, your story's the same way. Mm-hmm. You're you're God's story too. And yeah. so, well, bring yeah. us up to date. What, what have you been doing? Give an account of yourself for the past ten years, buddy. <laughs> I've just been hanging down here in the basement. You know, <laughs> I see a whole cupboard full of harmonicas over here. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, we're back in Buddy World, um, <laughs> listeners. We're, um, you know, about, oh, um, about four or five years ago, and maybe even longer ago than that, I just started realizing that there was, that the road was making me weary. And, um, you know, I still enjoyed performing and all that sort of stuff, but getting there and back was just getting too complicated and hard. So... 
And I remember one day, this was probably three or four years ago, and Vicky's saying, so how long are you thinking you're going to have to do this? <laughs> you know, and um, it was a good question because I, I kind of, you know, like most men who love their career and can't think of themselves doing anything else, I, I couldn't really see me doing anything else. Mm-hmm. What will I do with the time? You know, you ask right. yourself stuff. Yeah. And with me, I was also kind of wrapped up in how much is how much of my identity is is really that it's being Mr. Performer male, and mm-hmm. you know all that. And so I had a couple of years really to think about it. And and um, about the time I was thinking, okay, I'm going to be much more selective in, b- before I say I'll come and leave town and go do things. The pandemic hit. Okay. And that everything shut it down. Made the choice for you, didn't it? Yeah. So I said, "Well, hey, I don't have to worry about that anymore." And I sat around here, like a lot of people, when everything got quiet and we were all homebound. For me, it gave me a chance to kind of smell the roses a little bit and kind of sense just from the God's creation around me. Wow, there's a there's a lot to appreciating this world and this life that doesn't have anything to do with a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just as, as little things like just being aware of the birds around me, watching spring happen, um, taking walks, getting to know my neighbors. Oh, I mean, I, I'm ashamed to say this, but there were two families within a stone throw from my our house um, that I'd seen every day, and I'd wave, hey, how you doing? Didn't know their names, didn't know their kids' names. Modern living now is so um, easy to insulate. You come home, you drive into your garage, the garage door goes down, you come in. But it helped me to just think about things like, wow, you know, I've got a chance to be a better neighbor. Wow. I so appreciate that perspective. I think it comes at a certain age, too, doesn't it? When you begin to yeah. realize that the time left is shorter than the time behind you. Right. And uh, that, that's a factor here, too. Well, yeah. another big factor for you is family, uh, yeah. because you have a, a grandchild now. Right. Is it a boy or a girl? A girl. A girl, yeah. okay. We do girls in this family. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you that, have two daughters. My, yeah, my, my wife's DNA is girls. <laughs> it, it totally supersedes anything I bring to the equation. <laughs> But um, yeah, we have. Uh, I have two daughters, and my oldest daughter, Erin, married about the time we had that interview, maybe a year before that, and and then um, three years ago had our first and only grandchild. Now, uh, Georgia Rose. Oh, beautiful her name, and, yeah. And she's oh god, she's a spitfire, uh, <laughs> as her mother was. And um, what a and, great age, by the way. Oh, I know. Uh, and you know they live in California, so. It's been a little. That's you know. That's our only challenge is yep. not getting to see them as much. We have a very similar situation with a single grandchild living far away. So right. I know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we just actually had them here staying for a few days because my youngest daughter got married last week. Congratulations, yeah. the whole family. <laughs> so I have a n- new son-in-law. Wonderful. And um, so and things are happening him. around here. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a great season of life, you know, because things like that are happening, and we're able to enjoy it some. Yes, and, yes. important. Uh, yeah. 
and and pay attention a little bit, you know. So yes, I have a friend who says and told me recently that when the dog died and the kids left home, he thought he would be his wife's number one priority, <laughs> and then grandkids came along. You know? <laughs> so right. and he was back in the doghouse. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Doesn't that describe it though? Right. Oh, it does. I can guarantee you that but that I grandchild it, is my wife's number one priority. I wouldn't have it any other way though. No. Yeah, it's uh, family and it's wonderful. I mean. And that's the, another thing, just to see the joy that being a grandmother brings to Vicky has been really yeah. super. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love it too, but I mean, she really, she's, she, she's been waiting with bated breath for this okay, opportunity okay. for a long time. Just to be clear, though, you're, you're not quitting music. No, actually not. Uh, I'm staying pretty involved locally. You know, I'm doing an occasional, I mean, last weekend I was... Went down to Bell Buckle, and so yeah, I'm getting these. That's the great thing too, is I'm being local now. I'm actually making music in a in a lot more variety of ways, which is something we touched on last time ten years ago. Yeah. In that you felt like your calling was to be a Christian who happened to be a musician, yeah, and not the other way around. Yeah, I, I don't know who told me somewhere along the way that said, you know, in most instances, Christian is not a very good adjective. <laughs> it's a good noun. <laughs> But but when we, we have to use it as an adjective, I'm a Christian this or a Christian right. that, it's like really probably the best way the thing to do is just be what you are and let your Christianity sort of be the subversive way you love people through what you do, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, there's that's an important way to be salt and light. Yeah. And, and I feel like you're doing that well. Well, thank you. I mean, I... I I, I, I certainly do it better some days than others. Uh, it's it's easy to be self centered and blind to whatever's going on around me. But um, but then again, I think there's another thing for me to be thankful for when when you're when you're wrapped up in a career and and having to chase after the opportunities and the schedules and all that stuff. It's 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 easy to. Just not be as present mm-hmm. uh, as you wish you could be because you're just having to stay focused on the task, you know, whatever that is. And I'm still, I can still be so distracted and <laughs> caught up in myself and all. But well, I think it's an important message for all of us to consider: mm-hmm. is um, you know what what are we? Are we're not what we do? No. Uh, our friend Mike Card says we are not our gift. Yeah, that's true. And um, you know, the other night uh, I was playing somewhere and um there was a speaker involved that night and i'd never we'd never met each other and he didn't know anything about me but when it was over we'd all had a good time and i was talking to him and he said um i love the way your joy comes through and and when you're do when you're making your music i said well you know i think it's because music is such a great outlet for that it just allow. i mean it's the thing i most enjoy doing and so I, f- I probably feel more joy when I'm doing that than any other thing. It's also well. God's spirit coming through you when you yeah. sing that music and play. Yeah, but it's not the gift that's doing that. It's just God's doing the joy, but the gift then becomes just the um, the mechanism. It becomes the thing that allows you to express that to whoever. Um, and and I've I've noticed that in in all sorts of craftsmen and people you know you can watch I, when I when I watch Vicky being a grandmother mm-hmm. I see her joy yeah I mean there's there it just pours out of her right yeah yeah that's a that's a really good distinction 
And I think that was that was a good thing to come out of these last few years because I mean there really was a couple of years where I was I was really grappling with oh wow I wrote all these songs and nobody cares about them but me you know what I mean, <laughs> I mean you know I I, if, I wasn't like a prolific writer but I had a hundred songs or so of scattered over you know fifteen or twenty records and most of them have already gone to the dustbin of history. And the rest of them are going to die before I do, probably, you know. <laughs> and uh, and that bothered me so much. I was just thinking, oh, I just th- wish these things would hang around a little longer. And then I was thinking about that one day and examining some of those songs. And I looked at this one and I thought, I remembered, you know, what brought that song on. Oh, well, that was because this happened. Or that was because I saw something in Scripture that just so excited me I had to write about it or... You know, it was those sorts of things. I thought, gosh, these songs were were my own personal therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, God was just allowing me to be a songwriter just so I could work through some things, remember some things, keep playing them and singing them and keep reminding myself, you know. And along the way that some of those actually even got out and helped a few other people. It's like, man, if that's plenty of reason to write a song. They don't have to sit around <laughs> and last forever. Not every song can be, you know, um, somewhere over the rainbow. Um, and and so that was, you know, I just had time to make all these little um, revelations. So this is a good season for it's, you. It's good, yeah. So thank God that um, I'm able to enjoy this time of life. Indeed, it is a blessing from God, and we'll continue talking with Buddy Green on this edition of First Person. I'm Ed Cannon. The Far East Broadcasting Company partners with First Person because we celebrate the stories of people everywhere who have given their lives to Christ and serve Him. Our broadcasters in 50 countries of the world hear stories every day of people whose lives are transformed by the gospel and who have faithfully been taught God's Word. In addition to First Person, I'm pleased that Wayne and I host a podcast, and we invite you to join us. Listen to Until All Have Heard at febc.org. That's febc.org. My guest is Buddy Green, and uh, Buddy, thanks for the invitation to come to your home again. Again, I'll mention that uh, 10 years ago, we sat here and did the interview that our listeners heard last week, which we re-ran here in First Person, which you talked about your your testimony, how uh, the Lord reached into your life when you were you were not really looking for Him, He found you, didn't He? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. My I was running in the opposite direction. Okay, well, that's in the story we told last week. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to update this week. Um, you mentioned you're still writing music, yeah. writing songs. Well, not so much. No, no. Uh, probably the last song I wrote was ten years ago. Okay. Uh, so, but I'm. I'm still a student. I think that's what the, the last couple of years, especially, I've been able to, um, you know, one of the things that I thought about, uh, talking about what we were talking about earlier was, um, you know, how, how much of me is wrapped up in being a performer. But I would sit down here, especially during the pandemic, and it was just me and my guitar or me and my harmonicas, and I'd start exploring some little musical thing I'd never done before, learning a song I'd never learned, and realizing, gosh, I don't care if anybody's listening or not. I'm having a great time. I'm learning. I'm I'm surprising myself with wow, I can still do this and not only that, I can learn something new and 
And some of it is like, you know, learning some fiddle tune that I realized I'd never play this on stage because nobody would want to hear it but me, you know, <laughs> some obscure, you know, old-time fiddle tune. I didn't know you played that. I don't play. Oh, <laughs> no, on oh. the harmonica. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Oh, a fiddle tune on the harmonica. Yeah, I mean, oh. it's bad enough to hear fiddle tunes on a fiddle, but when you hear them on a harmonica, it's like, oh, gosh. Oh, I thought this was a safe place in this room no, for harmonicas. No. <laughs> no, this is a danger zone, for sure. <laughs> okay. But there, there was a particular song you wrote that I want to talk about, though, and uh, you've, you've told this story probably a thousand times, but I want our listeners to hear uh, Mary Did You Know, uh-huh. uh, the song that you and Mark Lowry uh, collaborated on. Yeah, and you know, most when I look back on my songwriting, most of my songs that have have really landed well out there, even if they weren't real popular, like Mary, did you know? They were collaborations, and that one um, was a good example of how it's happened before. Um, Mark had carried those words around for I think about seven years. Hmm. He was um, asked to contribute something to a Christmas musical at a church. And he was going to do like a recitation. And then um, the more he looked at it, he realized, man, this is, this is, it lays out like a lyric. And, you know, so he started handing it to people, see if you can come up with something. And various people tried and ne- never really suited him. So long story short, one night we were out on a, both of us touring with the Gaithers. It was after a concert. And uh, he was sitting over there with a legal pad, just, you know, scribbling away on this thing and, so finally, he tears off this piece of paper and throws it at me. He says, see what you can do with that. So I pick it up, and this lyrics written at the bottom of the page, a little note to me at the top said, Dear buddy, below are some incredible words I penned some years ago. <laughs> Sounds like Mark. <laughs> yeah. He said, please come up with some God-inspired music and make for us a very profitable hit. <laughs> he signed it, In the Clutches of the Cross. <laughs> Mark Lowry. And I just thought, what is this idiot giving me, you know? <laughs> so I said, well, Mark, I, you know, I didn't know what I'd look, and I was afraid I'd look at it and not like it or something, but I said, hey, I, I'm not going to look at this now. When I get home, I'll check it out. And he says, well, don't lose it now. That's good. I said, okay, okay, I'm sure. So, and I figured, too, knowing Mark, it was probably just, you know, something humorous, you know. And, uh, I, you know, I went home and I think several days went by before I unloaded all my stuff for the weekend, and I pulled it out, and I looked at it for the first time, read that lyric, and went, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. I used to joke with my audiences and say, for my first thoughts upon really looking at the lyric was, oh, my goodness, this must be stolen. <laughs> <laughs> Mark couldn't I, come up with this. I could just come out of the mind of Mark Lowry. Uh, but I knew Mark, and we'd had good talks. And, you know, Mark loves the Bible. He loves... He loves his faith. He loves his Lord, and and he, he loved his mother. And his mother used to talk a lot about Mary. Like many mothers, she identified with Mary, and she used to wonder about you know what did when Mary pondered all these things in her heart. Could she you know could she imagine that he would be a healer? That he would be somebody who would walk on water? Somebody you know and all these so. He'd heard his mother muse about this, and and so one day, Mark, you know, when he was asked to do this thing, I think he just just started writing things down. You know, what could Mary have known, you know? And uh, it's interesting because a lot of the a lot of the times you see the lyric printed, and most people, I think, have, have recorded this way. They say, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day? Mark wrote, will one day. 
So actually what's happening in this song is the person who is speaking, whether this is an unseen angel or whatever, they're at the nativity scene. The baby's just been born. Mary's holding the baby. Later on in the lyrics, it says, this baby that you're holding is the great I am. All right. So it's you're in that moment. You're at the delivery. That's important to understand the yeah. context. Yeah. It's because the Mary, did you know, I mean, that's sort of like praying to Mary now or something. And did you know way back then that, right? you know, so that it's really, it, it's, a, it's an in the moment at the nativity scene asking, her, you know, kind of, did you know that this is going to happen to this child, that this is going to happen? That- well, it's so creative, and people try to take it apart theologically. It's, it's not meant for that, is it? No. It, it's meant to enjoy in the context that you just described. Right. It's meant to shine a light on Jesus. Yeah. And, and that's what you hear. It gives, it gives that, that song gives the singer an opportunity to say all these great things about who Jesus is, what he did, the implications of that. And it takes it from that from that cradle all the way to the very end. I mean, it gets it's, at the end, it's eschatological. It's like, you know, he'll rule the nations. He's the Lord of all creation. He's the great I am. He's the second person in the Trinity. I mean, it's just, there's so much going on in that song. And there again, it must be stolen. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have the melody, the tune in mind at all? No, no. I was, uh, I was the day I, I finally looked at the lyric, I'd spent that whole day playing music, and I was mostly playing um, like old minor-tuned um, folk songs, Appalachian ballads and things like that. And so, you know, a song like, Shady Grove, my little love, Shady Grove, I say, Shady Grove, my little love, I'm bound to go away. I remember distinctly I played that that day. And then maybe uh, Little Sadie and some of these, there, you know, they're all these sort of haunting, modal kind of minor songs. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking that way, and that my my pump was primed for that. So the first thing when I looked at that and thought, "Oh, this is a this is a good lyric," you know, and then it's like, "No, no, 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 no." It's like that was popped in my head, and I'm, "Well, that's a, that's not bad." <laughs> and then it just chased it. I mean, the song practically wrote itself. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, we love it, Mary. Did you know? Any idea how many times that's been covered by people? I no, mean, people ask I, me how that would all you the possibly time. know? I can't believe how many really well-known artists have cut it. I mean, it, it, by this, it's been dozens and dozens of really top artists have, have cut it in the thirty years that it's been out there. And um, but you know, you think about all the choirs that have done it. It's been done internationally now. Uh, I mean, I, I've heard versions from the Middle East, from Russia. From South America, uh-huh. it still shines that light on Jesus. It gets people to contemplate, oh, wow, this really is worth thinking about. Is this the real one and only Son of God who came to save the world? Praise God for Mark hanging on to that and, and uh, handing it to me. <laughs> I think we can all confirm that Buddy Green has and is serving God well with the gifts given to him for God's glory. During that visit with Buddy in his Nashville home, I couldn't help but notice a cabinet in his office studio that held stacks of harmonicas. Of course, he's well known for his harmonica talent, so I had to ask him about that collection. You can hear that part of the conversation as a bonus track when you visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. And of course, we'll place links to some of Buddy's music at the same place, firstpersoninterview.com. Today's program was made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company, who join me in wishing you a very Merry Christmas. 
To learn more about FEBC's ministry around the world, please visit febc.org, where you can listen to the podcast until all have heard with FEBC President Ed Cannon. Go to febc.org. Now with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next week for a Christmas interview on First Person.